0: Thank you. I have so much to say. It would be great if you invited me back, just for a harvest service or something. Somebody texted me earlier in the week and said, so, how do you choose this sermon? It's a good question, isn't it? And there are various ways, and I I think the process of finding your new minister, whoever that might be, is... um, It's fraught with a lot of frailty and failings. And um, one of them is this that you will hear this one sermon. And if I was to be in a church for a length of time, I would take all kinds of different approaches to different kinds of sermons. But this is one sermon in the middle of nowhere um, that you've got to try and decide how to uh, do various things, I guess. Sometimes, if I have a chance to preach through the book of Ephesians, well then the word itself will in itself take us into cultural critique, etc. But there's other times, and I guess this morning is one of them, when I'm very keen to do the critique first, something happens. um, And then that causes me, I'm from Balamina, so it causes me always to go back to the scriptures and say, is that right or is that not right? And how does that work itself out? I guess it's a liberation theology approach to how we do it, if you know anything about that. It kind of takes what's going on in the world and brings the Bible to that and then works out how we respond. Now, the two things I was warned about when I was at college were liberation theology and Fitzroy Presbyterian, so, <laughs> so here we are bringing them together. Today's a one off critique. In a. Hope that the scripture will teach, rebuke, correct, and train us in righteousness as we try, as followers of Jesus, to be thoroughly equipped for the good works that he has us do. We have a maternity cover assistant chaplain at the moment. And that's thrown me, I tell you. We're planning the term ahead, and uh, I have a few ideas as to what I might want to preach on. And Cindy just finished PhD with Stephen Williams at Union furrows her brow looks very seriously and looks at me and says well what do you want to achieve? Where do you want the students to be by Christmas? And I'm going I haven't the first clue where I just know or feel and she says well tell me about it it was like being on a psychiatrist's couch for a moment so I waffled for about 40 minutes and in that waffle she drew a diagram that was multifaceted at this diagram and she told me what I wanted them to achieve, that I had not articulated in any kind of way to myself. And so today, I guess, I've been thinking about that. What do I want to do by the end of this service? What do I want us to achieve? And I guess this is a critique of mine of the Christian culture around us that we're part of. It's also an opportunity, I think, to speak into where you guys are in a one-off sermon, because I have never presumed. And also that you might know, as we've surrounded this whole process with prayer, yes, and that tomorrow night we have to confirm whether God has been leading us right or wrong or whatever, that you might have something through what I say now that might help you to decide whether that fits. And that's where we want to go. Let's pray very quickly. Lord, I pray as I often do that you would take the bare bones of my thinking the skeletons of my thoughts and wrestlings with scripture and how we obey that, and that you might put upon these bare bones, your flesh and your muscle, that they might come alive and speak to us and cause us to respond in Christ's name. Amen. I was worried about saying this next thing. I read a book about a rock star because I've done a lot of that. I did a dissertation just a few years ago which was in music and social transformation and the theology of music and I kind of worried that I come here and I'll start to talk about rock stars and they'll go oh he's all into his rock stars but as I've been preparing this week I have been listening to the sermons preached here and I've realized that really I'm out of my depth because you're quoting rock star songs that are not only on the regular albums but are a wee bit not Gary Burnett fella I mean Jackson Brown the rebel Jesus were going a wee bit PhD there I think so I almost feel out my depth, but I read, a um, and I can throw a question in to the rock literate, I guess, as I do this. I read the biography of a, a major rock star in the 60s who came to faith. He's one of the two, this is the question, come up after me in coffee and tell me you know who it is. He's one of the two rock stars who are now ordained ministers who've been installed into um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So he was a major player and he came to faith and the story was wonderful. To see a rock star understand the emptiness of hedonism and materialism and pop stardom and to find Christ in uh, quite a miraculous way in the midst of that is a very uh, exciting and glorious testimony. But as I got near the end of the book, I started to struggle a bit with it because there seemed to be in his definition of his salvation, It was as if the full stop came a little bit too early. It left me disappointed and unsatisfied with his definition of salvation because there he was and he found Christ in the midst of this empty life. But there was nothing in the entire book about how to follow Christ in an America that's at war with Iraq or in the midst of globalization or consumerism or an environmental apocalypse. He says himself, he didn't write songs about politics when he was a major star, but his band did, in fact, wrote one of the major social critiques of the late 60s. And almost the song was more in keeping with the Sermon on the Mount and the revolutionary Jesus than this new salvation that almost withdrew him from the world around him to do things that are good. Bible study and prayer and witnessing to his friends. But then there was a full stop. It didn't seem to challenge anything else. And it left me just a little dissatisfied. Is there not more to what this following of Jesus is than cleaning up our bad habits and giving us some good spiritual disciplines? And I started then to think about the world around us. And evangelicalism in Northern Ireland, and I started to find that maybe, maybe it was very similar. The faith I discovered in the 70s was a faith that didn't challenge me about apartheid. I, tell, I was um, doing a seminar this week at a Tearfund conference, and um, I was telling them about how I was in a church in Cape Town one morning, and as happens when you're in those kinds of places, you're sitting there very comfortably, as you maybe are now, you've maybe even fallen asleep. But um, you're sitting there very comfortably, and then suddenly in Africa, the guy at the front could say, Steve's going to come and tell us why he's here. And you've got to start to think, well, why am I here? And where am I? Might be the first question some of us have to ask. But on the way to the front, I had to ask myself, well, why am I here? And as I got to the front, I had an answer. And the answer was not that I'd heard sermons about apartheid or injustice or poverty, but that rock stars had actually sung songs about Steve Biko and Nelson Mandela and Uh, Some City and Apartheid and that it wasn't through my discipleship that I'd been given that I went back to the scriptures to find out in Amos and Isaiah and in the Gospels and in the New Testament church that there was more to it than Jesus saving me for my own sense of just me. That like we are taking our burdens to God because in giving our burdens to God, he might in some way allow us in bringing them to God to be then those who carry other people's burdens. Or that we're fixed in the pump, not just for our own fixing, but so the pump could serve others. Yes, gloriously we're saved, and gloriously we can have a hope of heaven. But we're not called to heaven, we're called to follow Jesus. Jesus. And it made me think that perhaps our salvation has been limited to a soul wipe rather than a marinade. Bring in my maternity cover assistant chaplain because I'd never heard the word marinade before Monday. But it is not marinade. The noun is marinade. So I put that in the order of service just to show that I'd learned something this week. But that our salvation is not something that wipes the surface clean, that makes us look good that gives us a good name or make us feel we have a good name. It's not there to make us popular among people. It's there for a deeper change. It's like being marinated with the body and blood of Christ to become a marinade rather than a soul wipe that looks shiny on the surface. So for me, when we come to the Lord's table… And um, we bring round the elements at the Lord's table. When I'm there in the zone of that, I'm always thinking that in those moments when the, the, the cup's being passed from other, I'm thinking, Lord, just may that the blood of Christ seep deep down into my soul. Marinate me with this blood, deep down in my soul, not just on the surface, not a diluted, watery, blood of Christ, but an intoxicating, germ-killing, dangerous, potent blood of Christ that deep down inside I may be transformed. And then I move out from myself to the streets of the city around me, and I have these images in communion of the blood of Christ seeping down through the cracks of the pavement, and in through the grouting of the walls, so that the whole city might be marinated in the salvation of our God. And that's why I come today to the Sermon on the Mount. The critique led me there, because as we've read here today from Matthew chapter 5, we find ourselves that we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, there is a scope to the salvation of God that is not within me as an individual or within us as a congregation. The scope of God's salvation is to the ends of the earth, that every aspect of our society should be touched by this great salvation that comes in Christ's incarnation, death, resurrection, the pouring out of his Holy Spirit. The scope of Of Matthew 5. If we think even about the Beatitudes before the bit we read about the salt and the light, it's about character change. It's not about petty habits being changed, it's about deep down character change. We will become meek, we will seek after righteousness, we will be peacemakers. Jesus is talking here about a salvation that is far, far reaching. And then we read about some of them relationships that we would love our enemies. Money and finance in a consumerist world, loving our enemies in the Northern Ireland that we're still a part of. We need not to have soul wipes. And maybe, just maybe, agreements and ceasefires might be soul wipes. And we mustn't kid ourselves to think that People from Clonard visiting us today well that's over because we've now got peace. Not in the students that I talk to. Maybe apathy. Maybe an unawareness of the differences but still a deep need within our community and society that we are salt and light in to permeate it with this salvation that will bring peace and shalom and reconciliation. Consumerist I tell my students all the time that they belong to the most spoiled generation that has ever lived. It's just a fact. And when you come to follow Jesus in that generation, we've got the toughest deal that maybe anybody's ever had. Try to contextualize, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, in a world where you get everything, and you get everything now. You're and you get a response. So many texts in the last 24 hours. It's crazy. I was kind of wishing it was that postal service that didn't bring my clerical shirt. That they would all have arrived late, and it would have took me two weeks to respond. But you've got to respond instantly. And my students expect instant response and instant gratification. One of them was telling me, downloads. You know, you know nowadays... I'm 47. I'm getting to that point where it gets tricky. Uh, technology becomes a bit difficult, and and downloading your music, even if it's legal, um, I'm thinking do I own this, or if my computer crashes do I lose it? Whereas having the CD, or better still the vinyl, you've you it's there. And so I was saying to one of my students, I was saying you do the download thing quite a bit, don't you? He says it's handier. I says, oh, it's handier. I mean, getting down into town nowadays and getting parked and sure, it costs you money to do that and then you have to walk around. He says, no, 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 no. It's handier than Amazon. <laughs> he didn't want to wait till tomorrow for it to arrive in his doormat. It's, he needs it now. And we try to bring this salvation that is a slow marinate into a world... Slow marinating, a slow marinade. Anyway, into a world which wants a quick soul wipe. It's depth, it's reach, and the Sermon on the Mount touches every relationship we have. Enemies, bank balance, everything. N.T. Wright, in a little commentary about Matthew, says, Those who want to belong to the new world he is opening up Jesus is opening up, must discover a way of covenant behavior that goes far, far beyond anything the scribes and the Pharisees ever dreamed of. And you see, the Pharisees that Jesus is talking to a lot in the Sermon on the Mount are about soul wipe. They want to be able to do something and have the surface look good, but they're not really as keen on the character that Jesus was talking about in the Beatitudes. They want a soul wipe. And Jesus came to say... No, we want to go deeper. We want to go further. We want to be inclusive rather than exclusive. So where do we marinate? Well, I have to say, guys, you're the most difficult congregation to preach to that I know because I could come here and I could big up fair trade, but it's in the announcements. I could give you a real scolding about not being involved in any reconciliation initiative spot I'm at the capital of... Uh, Um, reconciliation initiatives. I could talk to you about environmental issues, but it's in the announcements. Uh, It's not easy to, uh, to work that out, having just been here a few minutes. And all I would do is to say, yes, this is the prophetic ministry of this congregation as it models how to do the things that God calls us to in this generation, not only to a world outside that today has walked past this church and is not interested in anything about Jesus, but also to the other churches in our denomination and other denominations that needs to see modeled before it the ways that Christ needs to be involved in a kingdom coming that is deep and wide in every way. What are some of those issues? Well, you guys deal with it. Some of your um, orders of service have readings in Spanish some weeks. We've talked about the reconciliation. The other issue I guess in our world today is this idea that God doesn't exist. Faith Academy and some of the things you've been involved in and that will be a wonderful way to try and do that. There's an environmental apocalypse possibly that our children, at least our children's children, might have to deal with, and we need to know that there are those of us who follow Christ who are prepared to be salt and light in that situation. And that's where I'm going to bring us to a conclusion. That's salt and light. I want to take you back maybe a couple of Septembers. It might even have been two years ago today or two years ago this week. When that Amish community in Lancaster County in Pennsylvania were met with that great evil. When somebody burst into their little schoolhouse and shot dead some of their young children. All female. How do you respond to something like that happen? Within moments, that community were a light across the world. Interviewed on a television which they don't have in their homes, one of them, looking like he should somebody from another era, looked into the cameras and when asked how they would respond, he said, "Well, Jesus has told us to forgive, so I guess we've got to forgive." No theological colleges need it, in that kind of obedience to the Word of God. They were in the wife of the killer's house within ours setting up a trust fund for the children of the killer of their children to go to school. This is Christ's kingdom. The light of the world shining across our televisions right before our eyes. But, and I want to say it gently to that community, but something made me think We're not just called to be light, which can shine at a distance. In fact, if you're a lighthouse, the further your light can shine from where you are, the better. We're also called to be salt. And I wondered if the Amish withdrawal from our society had taken some of the salt out of the community around them that may have, may have preserved or brought flavor or healed some of that which caused that evil act. It's easy to be light, but we're also called to be salt. And salt has to. Rebecca Manley peppered, nobody's beaten her. She's still the queen of personal evangelism out of the salt shaker, onto the meat, into the wounds, that the salvation of God would be marinating. Not a soul wipe that doesn't get rid of the issue, but a deep-down marinade that brings God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So the challenge, I guess, for Fitzroy is what about the Holy Lands? I've left it to my brother, Father Gary Toman, who's with us this morning, because... He always says to me and Chapman say, it's my boys are down there. There's a possibility, Gary, if it all goes well next year, that me and you will be dandering down there together. <laughs> how do we be salt in the midst of what goes on in the streets around us? And in the university community, how are we salt? Where does God want us on? As we go down Botanic into the city centre... Transformed with coffee bars and bars and nightclubs and all kinds of stuff. How do we be salt? Where you go home to, where you go to work in. God calls this congregation not to be soul wipes for this city, but to be a congregation that marinates the very depths of this city with the kingdom of God. Someday and I will not take their thunder is going to talk about David Gray in a few weeks. I mean, I thought the one thing if you did call me I could do would be talk about rock stars, but no, you do a seven-part series before I get here. Go on. Why not? <laughs> but David Gray has a song called Let the Truth Sting. And he says, into lies, into ruin, into disease, let the truth sting. Not a soul wipe, but a depth of sting of truth in our community that will bring God's kingdom and his will here as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Our God, we pray that you would call us to those places where we need to shine a light but also to those places that we need to be salt right on the wound right on the meat to preserve, to heal, to flavour to bring your kingdom and your will right here in Belfast as it is in heaven we long for that Lord in Christ's name Amen